0: Hello there. You're listening to the Really Useful Podcast. It's the tech podcast for technophobes. My name is Christian Corley, and joining me this week is Gavin Phillips. Hello, Gavin. How are you doing?
1: Very well, Christian. How are you, mate?
0: I'm. I. Well, I, I would like to say I'm absolutely tip top, but I had a slightly reduced amount of sleep during the night, which may uh, impact us later in the show. We'll find out. If I if <laughs> hear me um, slow to respond or snoring, do um, do let me know um, or shout or something. Now, if you're listening to this, you've probably listened to other really useful podcasts. And what we tend to do is break down the issues around technology, complications, simplify things. We are the tech podcast for technophobes, as I said in the, in the introduction, which gives us the opportunity to steer away from very kind of um, boring topics. Now, this is a topic that may once have been considered a quote unquote boring topic. But the issue of cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin and mining and its impact on not just economies but the world at large, ecologically as well as economically, have become more and more to the forefront. In recent months, with increases in value for Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, and reports over the amount of you know its uh, its impact on the atmosphere with um, carbon emissions at uh, large server farms, um, but there's also more recently issues surrounding the price of graphics cards, which have been used not for games but for mining, and also you've probably heard seen this acronym NFT non fungible tokens and um, these, these are all things that have kind of grown out of the explosion of cryptocurrencies and blockchain over the past few months and that's really the kind of topic in this week's really useful podcast and I think we're going to start with NFTs really because they're all over the newspapers John Cleese has drawn an absolutely dreadful doodle of a bridge that he wishes to sell as an NFT for millions and he's just one, and obviously, he's, I mean, John Cleese isn't known as an artist of that type. He's known as a comedy writer, and actor, and performer. And, but there are real artists selling real digital goods with NFTs. Um, Gavin Phillips knows a little bit more about this than I do. And when I say little, <laughs> I mean a lot. So NFT, non-fungible token, it sounds like it's nonsense. What is it? What, what does fungible mean? Why, why are we not, is it fungible or fungible? And why are we saying this weird word?
1: They're all very, very good questions, Christian. It's best to start at the, at the top as ever. So non-fungible tokens. So fungible means, well, let's look at it in a different way. A Bitcoin is, is fungible. You can trade a Bitcoin for any other Bitcoin and it will be the same. The dollar note or the pound note in your pocket is a fungible token. If someone gives you $10 or £10, and you give them a 10 pound note in exchange, you've exchanged the exact same thing. If you break down that note into coins, a dollar coin, a pound coin, you are still exchanging the exact same thing. Uh, You end up with the exact same thing. So currency, regular currency is what's known as fungible. You can break it down and it remains the same. Non-fungible, as you might be now guessing, means the opposite. You can't break it down it remains a unique single item at all times. So a non fungible token in this case means a token that relates to a single asset, shall we say, Mm -hmm. that can never be broken down. So that's why you're seeing this word non fungible token and this acronym NFT in relation to artworks, bits of music, Um, other sort of creative endeavors um, and the creators behind these bits of music and artwork and so on are using NFTs to what's called mint, a unique token linking to their artwork, which basically creates an indelible um, history of ownership for the artwork.
0: Right. So basically if you make a copy of it, you can prove that the copy is a copy.
1: Well, you can make a copy of the artwork itself, and this is where it gets a little bit murky. So, for instance, um, recently an artwork sold for an NFT sold at the famous auction house Christie's for 69 million (laughs) dollars. Um, And this is a complete digital artwork. It doesn't exist in the physical sense. It's not like if you bought a Mona Lisa, you could hang it on your wall. You know, it's complete digital file. But it still went for $69 million. The person that bought it doesn't actually own the rights to the NFT, but they own the rights of ownership to it. It does get a little bit murky and it is where it gets a bit confusing. The other thing with it is that even if you own the NFT and you've paid money for it, it doesn't mean that it is removed from the internet. So a prime example of this is recently Twitter CEO co-founder Jack Dorsey sold the rights to his first ever tweet on Twitter for I think it was 2.9 million in the end, $2.9 million to a, a collector who wanted this piece of, you know, unique internet history. And it is a piece of internet history. It's the first ever tweet on Twitter, but the tweet isn't then removed from Twitter. It still stays there forever. What the person has bought is the right to then sell that digital file of ownership to someone else at a later date so it's created basically a a large market of speculative artwork which in many ways for
0: many people sort of mimics the existing art world so i mean I'm listening to this and, you know, I know, I I may have said this before, I know enough about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency to know that I don't know enough about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. So as a kind of comparative layman on this topic, it sounds like utter nonsense.
1: I really think from the outside, and to be honest, there's a lot of people who are involved in cryptocurrency um, and understand it a great deal. Deal who also think that NFTs in this format, I should add, is well, first of all, it's a market waiting to pop. There's mm-hmm. no way that price is like $69 million. And I think um, Elon Musk's partner, Grimes, who is an artist in her own right, sold a collection of her work for $7 million or, or what have you. Uh, Musk himself is creating. A song about NFTs that will be released as an NFT. Elon Musk is Mo- writing a song. Elon Musk is writing a song about NFTs oh, to release as an NFT. So I'm not sure if he's uh poking fun at how sort of ludicrous the whole thing is. But it kind of feels that way. Yeah. But um back to the point at hand, yeah, it does kind of seem ridiculous. NFTs. Can have some very, you know, really good uses. Like tying created assets to a unique token is actually quite good for artists. It does give them much greater ownership over their own work, and they don't have to rely on, say, third party intermediaries to sell their work. They can sell directly to people that want to buy it they take much more of the the profits that come from their work and what have you but from the outside it seems strange in that you could still do this all without the addition of a digital token using existing forms of, of authenticity
0: I like I like the idea of Elon Musk taking the mickey out of it and uh, it wouldn't be the first time <laughs> he's done that would it that kind of thing I mean, I am concerned about the amount of money that's involved in this, given that it does appear to be a kind of a, a faddish bubble, and there are problems in the world. That 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 level of money in a digital right, in in the loosest sense, does seem absolutely insane, doesn't it? The thing is, there's a lot of money floating around for things that make other money, isn't there? Um, you know, there is a speculative issue here um or an issue of speculation financial speculation and I I think the same is true in in some regards with this problem with graphics cards and the price of graphics cards at the moment
1: nfts are uh, are minted on the ethereum blockchain so that means when someone creates the nft uh, a unique token is is created that links to the ethereum blockchain which once it's on there it can't be deleted But like Christian said, there is an issue with graphics card prices at at the moment. That stems primarily from the massive increases we've seen in in cryptocurrency prices. So today, I think, at the time of recording, the the Bitcoin price was at something $55,000. Ethereum was at $1,500. And these networks, especially Ethereum, specifically uses Graphics cards to keep the network flowing, to process transactions on the network, to ensure the security of the network. And because of that, because of the massively escalating prices, graphics cards are, my gosh, they're so hard to get hold of. If you can get hold of one at the moment for a reasonable price, the likelihood is that it's being resold again within minutes because you could double triple your money instantly wow. um but it's not just ethereum that's causing the graphics card shortage we should add that it's not a an exclusive cryptocurrency issue the the foundries uh many of which are located in uh asia have all had significant shortages in production largely in part due to the covid a uh, pandemic that the world is sort of slowly emerging from, but the foundries that make the, the the chips that go in the graphics cards and into the PlayStation 5s, you know, into your Xbox, and and it's starting to affect other things as well, self-driving cars and, and, and all sorts of different areas of life. But all of these foundries are still struggling to, A, cope with existing capacity, and B, to take on more more work and it's not something you can just create a new factory you know a new mm-hmm. factory takes years to, to build to get up to processing speed
0: i wonder if the um, as we record this there's a uh, a super tanker run aground in the suez canal I wonder if that's going to impact the uh, price of certain hardware devices over the coming weeks
1: i wouldn't want to be the captain
0: that oh. Has, oh. has delayed a massive delivery of uh,
1: hot graphics cards no. to, to Europe. I definitely wouldn't want to be that guy
0: absolutely not yeah um, I mean it's not just that ship either is it it's like everything that's backing up in both directions It's an absolutely insane situation and uh, i mean I mean the reality of um, of shipping you know like, i mean i live I live by a port and there are I don't know how many ships are out. come coming every day, loaded with containers. Nothing as big as this thing, but um, they're, they're still huge vessels. And those those um, containers then get lifted by gantry onto the back of wagons and then shipped off around the UK and over to Ireland, to Scotland, to the southwest, uh, Gavins Neck, the woods, uh, to industrial centres and commercial centres around the UK. And you know that's just one port. In one part of one country and this this super uh, this super freighter is holding up hundreds of ships going in both directions it's insane the impact of that is going to be uh, i think we're going to notice it anyway
1: yeah I, I yeah absolutely right something like this it shows how fragile the the transition of uh, goods around the world actually is if one admittedly very major artery of uh transport does get blocked but the the impact will be felt all around the world
0: i want to know whose bright idea it was to uh build a ship that was slightly wider than than the suez canal though because there's probably a similar <laughs> yeah. issue with panama i think panama's is panama no panama's two ways and it's not one way but the the same could happen there and yes. yeah it's it's just you know it's it's like the um the Austin powers movie when he's uh, trying to turn the car around in the corridor <laughs>
1: absolutely yeah <laughs> yeah it very much is like that, gosh, it really is. all right, if it got wedged in the top part of the the Suez, it would have been fine because the Egyptian government uh, in the last few years have dredged a second enormous canal alongside it, right so this bottom part is the only part that now has a single single track, and like you said, this ship is i can't remember, but it's in in length, it's taller than the Empire State Building you know it's multiple football pitches wide it's just it's unfathomably big
0: yeah you know? yeah it is it is uh it's it's it's, am- it's amusing in some ways but then when you understand the implications of it and you know the amount of goods they are produced in the east for consumption in europe and further field then uh, yeah then the impact becomes clear that was always bound to happen uh, now another thing that is uh, coming along at the moment, we've, um, we've looked at NFTs, and we have also talked about the insane price of graphics cards at the moment. And um, there was just something else we need to ask about that because um, you—I mean, it's, it's mostly related to Ethereum, although there are other things that can be mined. And we m- mining is something if if you want to know more about that, we've got links on um, getting started with mining cryptocurrencies, but it it can be very slow, and unless you've got a suitable system, it's unlikely to work too well. Most People who mine—they're not just using one graphics card either; these they multiple cards. No,
1: absolutely. If you uh, if you want a truly profitable mining operation, you're running multiple multiple cards. Um, Ethereum is still mined using graphics cards, which is we just talked about, which is causing global shortage, or, or at least in part contributing to it. Whereas Bitcoin uses um, what are called ASIC miners, which are more way more specialized, but use a significantly higher amount of, of power. The amount of power consumed by all cryptocurrency mining uh, is estimated to be larger than, well, some of the. Larger countries in the world yeah. um, Last time I checked it Specifically Bitcoin was using More than the entire country Of Switzerland perhaps Or, or the entire country of Peru Which is a, you know, it's a significant amount um, On the global Scale it ranks it At about 1-2% to 2% Of in, the entire Consumption of global power Which is it's obviously Really quite a substantial amount yeah. For something that a lot of people don't really see any particular value in um if bitcoin is a store of value then people would argue that there are other stores of value but then there's a speculative money-making thing people people want things like bitcoin to exist because a lot of people are making an awful lot of money on the back of it so it's gonna be hard to tell people to turn off their they're mining rigs to save power the other side of it of course is that it's not just the power consumption it's the getting the materials out of the ground to create all the hardware to begin with and the energy costs that go into that and then the end of life of the hardware which because you run the in bitcoin's case asic miners you know 24 7 365, very high temperatures running, high power consumption, so that's using a lot of energy, and it contributes to the hardware running out and burning out a lot quicker as well. So, well, what's what's the lifespan of, of a
0: card in that case then? What, what, how long would you expect one to last?
1: The graphics cards one is actually quite interesting because after the uh, initial sort of mining boom there was back in 2017, early 2018, a lot of graphics cards flooded onto the market when the ethereum price finally crashed and a lot of people at the time um, including myself in fact said you probably shouldn't buy uh, an ethereum a graphics card that's been used to mine ethereum because it's been run you know super high rate 24 7. more recently there's been a few studies showing that although it's not fantastic to run a graphics card you know, at super high rates for a a prolonged amount of time. It's actually better in some ways than forcing it up to a high temperature and cooling it down again. So cycling it repeatedly. So although it does put it under a high level of stress, it's a consistent level of stress that the graphics card is actually designed to cope with. So it is inevitably going to create a lot of waste there's no way it can't because you know there's a lot of failure going on with these graphics cards anyway sure but it may not be as bad as previously thought Uh, i'd also add that although ethereum uses a lot of graphics card processing power to you know keep the network going the network has long talked about switching to what's called Ethereum 2.0, which is going to be like the next evolution of the Ethereum blockchain. And with that, it will move to a different form of network um, called proof of stakes, a proof of stake algorithm. So instead of having to mine everything very, very, very intensively, the mining will drop back gradually. Um, and we'll eventually start using less power, but this upgrade has been in talks for well at least eighteen months to twenty-four months. So people keep saying it's just around the corner. It's just around the corner, but it really is apparently just around the next corner.
0: Okay. Uh, there was one thing I wanted to mention about that, and in in my attempts to understand more about cryptocurrency and bitcoin in particular i've been following people on twitter Um, one of them is max kaiser and there's another guy called uh, marty bent or something and i think that's the name either way um regardless the they've um provided links to alternative arguments in terms of the economic impact uh, that beg your pardon the ecological impact of um, cryptocurrency, um, suggesting instead that businesses that would normally be physically mining are instead, or as, or as well as Bitcoin mining, I suppose, are instead in but buying cryptocurrencies and and thereby they're reducing their own involvement and maybe down the line that that pipeline isn't getting built because the business is investing in cryptocurrency. Do you think that's a, is that a fair argument? Do you think it's
1: an interesting way of looking at it? Isn't it? So if they're buying it, they're not contributing to it. It means yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: so they're making investments in, in this new market Yeah. Um, rather than actually engaging in industrial activity.
1: Yeah, I guess it comes back to, so recently Elon Musk bought, I think, $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin for Tesla and put it on Tesla's books. Um, or was it $750 million? And it, and it immediately ramped up to $1.5 billion or, or whatever, and it was considered genius. But because of that, a lot of people took into question his environmental credentials because they're saying, how can you sanction something like the purchase of such a phenomenal amount of Bitcoin because of how it is obtained? But I think that very much ties back into what you were saying there, doesn't it? The Bitcoin that he bought was already in existence. So is it still an environmental issue after the fact? Mm. Because of the way the network is maintained, mining is always going to happen and it will continue to happen even after all 21 million Bitcoins are mined. Um, That's just how the Bitcoin network is validated. So there's always going to be some element of power required to keep the network going. But once all those coins are mined, the idea is that the amount of power required to keep the network going should then decrease, although that's not going to happen for, I can't remember how many years, but it's quite a while because the, the way that the network is programmed, every now and then the amount of Bitcoins you receive for mining slowly drops off, what's called a halving event. Um, so it prolongs the amount of time that new Bitcoins are minted for, so... Yeah, it is, it is a really interesting one because there's quite a lot of other big businesses now who are making investments in cryptocurrencies. Yeah. And many that, like you, you alluded to, that would claim to be, or well, at least have, you know, a, a focus on promoting a better um, <laughs> e- ecology for the world.
0: There's another take on this as well. In that, uh, as we've seen, China is one of them. Uh, governments issuing cryptocurrencies they are then you know i mean if i mean take the uk with the paris agreement and commitment to reducing carbon outputs there's no way the uk could start its own cryptocurrency unless it was a backed cryptocurrency by another cryptocurrency because i mean it would ramp up i mean it would absolutely break their, their their commitments wouldn't it
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, in terms of, of of mining and what have you, the big thing is for, like I was saying, with the Ethereum 2.0 using this, uh, a different type of um, system uh, network consensus algorithm called proof of stake, which doesn't require nearly as much mining at all. So it it, it works more on how much, the cryptocurrency is in existing wallets and people use the amount of crypto within the wallets they stake they stake the cryptocurrency and the amount of crypto on the network is used to find consensus um amongst the transactions that are going forward but i think that may be delving into it a bit too far and perhaps something for a for another for another podcast but proof of stake algorithms should by and large reduce the amount of mining required and thus reduce the
0: environmental impact
1: of cryptocurrencies on the whole.
0: It is a topic that sits between the kind of the old world and and the world that we appear to be moving into so I dare say that we will probably talk about cryptocurrency in some form again in the future. but I think now is the time to wrap up this week's really useful podcast in which we've hopefully learned. I certainly have exactly what a non-fungible token is NFT and why it's important and why people are spending so much money on them. Although then again, uh, as a Yorkshireman, I never understand why people spend so much money on anything. (laughs) We've also looked at why there's a shortage of graphics cards and, well it's not entirely due to crypto a lot of it is and um and as you've just heard uh, Gavin and I have kind of looked at some of the ecological arguments against and in favor of, of at least mitigating uh cryptocurrency mining uh, Gavin do you have anything to add
1: yeah i think that there is a place in the world for things like non-fungible tokens but as we sort of said at the, the start of the show in its current guys and with people piling in to try and make a quick buck it's sort of it's untenable at the moment it's a bubble waiting to pop and it will pop these things always do um I remember back in 2017 when people thought bitcoin was just going to go up and up and up and up and then it, it dropped 90 percent of its value mm-hmm. so in that nfts are an interesting proposition but currently they are very very speculative and i'm not entirely sure in their current guise this is this isn't for me how they will continue we will see an evolution of non-fungible tokens into you know what they will eventually become similar to how bitcoin started it all and then you had ethereum and now there are many other different types of cryptocurrencies being used in different capacities so i think that's how it will go
0: okay that's a useful uh, ending to our discussion uh we'll be back for another really useful podcast next time until then from gavin phillips and myself christian corley it's goodbye cheerio, cheerio.